Welcome to St. Louis on the Air. I'm Sarah Fenske. Emma Crocker is a registered nurse. She has a doctorate of nursing practice with a focus in population health. She's also the vice president of the board for Missouri Healthcare for All. And she works in an outpatient oncology clinic housed within a hospital. She agreed to speak frankly from her perspective as a working nurse in St. Louis. She didn't want us to name her hospital, but she was otherwise willing to talk, and Emma Crocker is, in fact, her real name. So, Emma, thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, yeah, no problem, Sarah. It's great to be here. So, first off, how is the overall situation at your hospital? I understand for the moment things are still relatively okay there. Yeah, I mean, you know, um, our team has it under control right now. It helps that a lot of visitors aren't there. It keeps kind of the chaos down a little bit. Not that we don't love visitors, but um, we kind of need to focus all we can right now. So we're doing a good job at at keeping keeping all of that organized right now. And so the hospital at this point, not being overwhelmed with cases, the emergency room isn't overrun, they're able to handle the coronavirus cases coming in. I'm not quite sure about the emergency room. Um, I'm more in the outpatient setting. Um, I do believe that they are seeing quite a bit of increase throughout this week and next week um, of cases that they've been testing. Um, I know that people are um, feeling frustrated and scared, but I think the teamwork is, is amazing in the healthcare workforce. Um, we come together at the right time and we collaborate very well. Um, and we're very systematic in processing, um, you know, big populations as they come through. But mm-hmm. we're just kind of being prepared right now. We're, we're in the preparing stage to make sure that if it does reach that surge level that we are predicting, um, that we have uh, that we have a process in place. Mm-hmm. And that's great to hear. It's great to hear that you really trust this teamwork and, um, you know, that these processes do work. But I know that you have some, some serious concerns, and they're specifically about masks. What are you worried about on that front? Yes. So um, these, these masks that we have as protective equipment, they, they are effective at helping us do our job and take care of those that are, in fact, infected with this virus or possibly suspected of having the coronavirus. Um, we are seeing a lot of um, back and forth in our healthcare teams about surgical masks and N95 masks, mm-hmm. uh, which are N95 respirators. And the N95s actually help to filter out. They have um, the ability to protect against inhaled particles, um, and they also resist fluids as well as they dis- they limit the dispersion of what we exhale. So they protect our patients, but they also protect us. So these Whereas masks are a big deal. Mask, this is this is much better than just yes. having a bandana or a lesser mask. Yes, <laughs> yes. And actually, the CDC, when they first came out, recommended the use of N95 masks for every healthcare worker. Um, but we know that there's a shortage. There's a limited supply, um, which is actually what's hindering us the most right now. So you're here in this outpatient clinic. You're dealing with oncology patients. Are you able to wear an N95 mask when you're on the job? We weren't at first, um, and I think there was a lot of different um, recommendations going around. I believe the CDC changed the recommendations, you know, day after day for, for, for a whole week. Mm-hmm. Um, so we were all kind of scrambling to figure out what's the best path forward. Um, and I, I think that takes a lot of research and a lot of coming together and being open and honest. 
uh, which my team was very open and honest about. And so we're just kind of going through the motions of having everyone bring the research to the table right now. Um, but we have now moved into a place where we can wear an N95 mask at our outpatient clinic. And are there enough N95 masks that that is something you can even do now that you have the permission to do it? Well, so we did just get a shipment in um, a couple of days ago of new N- of more N95 masks, which is wonderful. And they are NIOSH and FDA approved. That's which great. They have to be used. Exactly. Um, but the the... The concern is, you know, if we do see that surge at the beginning of May, the end of April, where, you know, where do we have enough of a supply to go around to last us until then? Um, and that's a concern for all healthcare workers um, alike, not just me, but also medical assistants, nursing assistants, um, our um, environmental services, as well as our dietary services, too. Okay, so these are all people where you feel like they should be able to have these N95 masks, and it doesn't sound like you have confidence that there's nearly enough to go around. I I do think that we all should be as protected as possible. Um, We don't have enough data to know which mask is appropriate at this time, and I do think, I feel very strongly that we should be as protected as possible to minimize the risk so that healthcare workers can continue to serve um, the people of our community. Uh, but we do have an option. We have the Defense Production Act, which I believe our president has enacted, um, but we just need implementation. We need very strong implementation with that. Um, you know, Lauren, Representative Lauren Underwood from Illinois, she says, you know, it's one thing to get that enacted, but it's another thing to have the signed contract and to turn those manufacturers online in America that can actually make and produce these masks for us. Mm-hmm. There's sort of some turnaround time there and, and also needing the will to get it done. Exactly. The implementation is very important. We do want to hear from you if, if you're in this situation that Emma's talking about. If you're a worker who interacts with the general public, you feel like you'd like to or need to be wearing an N95 mask and you haven't been able to do so. If that fits you, uh, we'd want to encourage you to give us a call at 314-382-8255. That's 382-TALK. Or you can send us a tweet at STL on air or email us at talk at stlpublicradio.org. Now, Emma, we heard from your hospital and they said they are, quote, committed to the health and safety of all our employees. Therefore, we are allowing all caregivers who interact with our patients to wear masks. However, only employees working in areas where there are COVID-19 patients, like our emergency departments and ICUs, are wearing N95 masks. Others will wear surgical masks. N95 masks are in short supply across the country, and we must be good stewards of our stock. We continue to monitor our supply and are working with organizations across the world to enhance our inventory of PPE, that's personal protective equipment. We are dedicated to doing what is needed to protect the well-being of our frontline staff. Does that statement ring true to you? Yeah, it does. It does ring true to me. Um, I do feel that there is some organization that has to happen to ensure that we do do stay stocked in our supply. I do wish we had more supply so that everyone could be protected um, from the risk. I, I truly wish that would happen, um, which is why I think that it's important for the public to know that if they do have N95s flying around, um, just to call and reach out and see if that can be something that can be donated 
Right now, the public should be staying six feet apart per the social distancing rules set in place by Governor Parsons. And so really, that six feet apart is very, very critical. However, for a healthcare worker, we can't stay six feet apart. Mm. Um, and so often in these settings, if someone coughs, coughs or sneezes, um, Dr. Fauci has actually said that that is an aerosol. And so it's important for healthcare workers to get access to those the N95s as much as we can. So that makes sense. So even though you're as you're not dealing um, in particular with patients that have COVID-19, when you're in an oncology clinic, you might have somebody who's coming in who desperately needs this treatment. They might not even realize they have it. Exactly. And that's, I think, what's so important about getting testing everywhere, too, is we just want to make sure that we're as safe as possible. And if, if we suspect someone of having it, we can take the necessary steps but with these asymptomatic um, spreaders that they're saying exist, it's, it's kind of more of a risky situation if someone doesn't know that they have the, um, have the virus and they could be coughing or sneezing or even breathing it out into the air that we're working within. So with this potential shortage and departments like yours that aren't on the coronavirus front lines, but again, are, are at that potential risk, are you allowed to bring in masks from home? At this time, um, if we're in a non-clinical area, we are allowed to bring in our own masks from home. But when working with patients, they do want us to be using these NIOSH FDA-approved masks that they can rely upon that has the research and the data proven behind them. Um, And I I do agree that we do need to make sure that we're wearing the appropriate gear that is regulated. but again, I just wish there was more of it. Um, and we've we've had people been donating, and we have various community outreaches going out to find out who has those N95s out there that we can donate to our healthcare workers. And we're so appreciative of that collaboration. Um, and Emma, we've talked a lot about masks today, but as far as other personal protective equipment, I know we've seen pictures of nurses in New York City having to wear trash bags and, and rain ponchos, things like that. Other than masks, do you feel like you and your coworkers are in okay shape? That's why I feel very lucky and fortunate to work with the team that I work with. Um, we do we do have goggles, we do have gowns, and we have gloves. Um, I do feel so lucky to have all of that and to work with the team that I work with. Um, but I just I just hope that we can reach a point where we are producing more of those items for everyone across the country. We're talking to registered nurse Emma Crocker. Um, she has a doctorate of nursing practice with a focus in population health. She works for an outpatient oncology clinic that's within a hospital here in St. Louis. Um, and we did put this question on our Twitter and Facebook pages to hear from people with public-facing jobs right now. And Chris, who identifies on Twitter as a grocery store worker in the time of COVID-19, he wrote, many grocery workers <clears throat> are not provided with proper personal uh, protective equipment to keep them safe. Some stores allow the use of masks and gloves, but only after lots of pushback from employees. Many essential workers are unsafe at work, but have no one to speak up for them in fear of retaliation. Emma, do you think hospital administrators are doing all they can when it comes to workers like you and your coworkers? You know, I I have a strong sense that they are doing what they can at this time, um, especially for my team. My my manager has been very open with me. Um, she's allowed me to bring research to the table, which I appreciate. 
um, I know that other healthcare workers and especially other workers are not in that situation. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I just, this is why I wanted to come on here and talk with you today so that people can feel that they are empowered, that the research is out there to justify what they are saying, um, especially for grocery store workers. I know that Schnucks and Deerbergs put up um, clear plastic walls in some of their stores so that there is that minimal interaction between the um, worker and the person checking out, which is great. It's a great first step. Mm-hmm. Um, but people should, re- you know, people, they are, I think, saying Vice President Pence, I think, was going to say today that in hotspot areas, um, many public people or public places, if you go to public places, people should be wearing their own homemade masks. Um, if they can, um, mm-hmm. if you are in a hotspot area. So I know that that's coming out, um, and there's more research coming out about the public as well. Yeah, and I'm starting to hear those same things that now they're saying, okay, this might actually be something that the public should do. Are you worried, though, that that's going to put even more strain on the supply chain when those of you who are, as you say, you have to kind of get right in people's faces sometimes for your job, that somebody like me might be using your mask to walk around the park? Of course, and I think that's the biggest driving point to um, having people stay at home as much as possible. If they don't need to be going out, that is our biggest ask right now. It's how we can flatten the curve and gain control over this virus. Um, If more and more people stay at home, then we do have the capacity in our hospitals and clinics to work through this and stay organized. Mm-hmm. Um, so that that is a big it, that is a big fear. Um, but I believe that's again where the Defense Production Act comes in. That's that is literally the key to ensuring that our manufacturers here in America can make the products that we need and get those to the places that need them the most. Um, and then we can disperse them across the country once we've done that. Now, I know in the last week there have been nurses from all over the country posting on social media about this problem and expressing their frustration about the lack of of the right protective gear. Some have even said they had to quit to protect themselves and their family. Do you understand where they're coming from with that, even though that's obviously not a choice you've made at this point? I I totally understand where they're coming from. Um, It is a hard hard choice. Um, I even had to discuss it with my own family. I think the the biggest thing I want everyone to understand is we love what we do as nurses. We this is our calling. It it is who we are. Um, and there is a fine line between making sure that you and your family are safe and keeping on doing the thing that you love to do the most. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a very hard decision. And I I understand where these nurses are coming from um, when they're placed in that position. Um, I feel for them. I ha- I just. It breaks my heart that we're in this position, um, but but there are many of us that that will put the calling before everything else, and um, there are many of us that will put safety of our family, and either of those options is perfectly fine. Well, we're so grateful that um, that you feel the way that you feel, and I think we all owe you a debt of gratitude here. Um, just want to hopefully end on a more hopeful note. Is there anything that gives you hope right now as, as you look at this situation um, at your place of work and throughout St. Louis? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, I believe yesterday, I think you posted this too, was um, those brothers that played their their. They had made their own little band and played around the neighborhood. They played Stand By Me. That's right. They were um, walking the down a, a street <laughs> yes. in St. Louis, um, and I think one had a tuba, and somebody had this other yes. giant instrument, and it was just, it was so lovely uh, to see them walk down the street, maintaining proper social distance, and the whole neighborhood yes. was, was hearing this <laughs> lovely song. <laughs> 
Yes, that that lifted my spirit so much. Um, it, it, it just brought tears to my eyes. That's the St. Louis I know and love. Um, but I do want to give out a huge shout out to my nursing colleagues, um, my physician colleagues, my medical assistants, environmentalists, dietary. Everyone from the top down is is trying to work their hardest to make sure that that our community is protected and taken care of. Um, my family has been very supportive. But we just have to get through this together, and we can. We just have to do the appropriate things and, and make sure that we're all aware and informed. And I think that's where you guys come in, and thank you for what you do, too, because you keep us informed. Well, thank you, Emma. That's that's very kind, and, and certainly our job is nothing compared to yours right now. So thank you so much for everything you're doing, and thank you for being willing to talk to us so f- frankly today. Oh, yeah. Thank you for your time, Sarah. And we do want to mention um, the St. Louis region could see the kind of personal protective equipment shortages happening elsewhere. And so if you have extra masks or other equipment that you're interested in donating, we have just put a link up on our Twitter. That's at STL on air. Uh, You can find that there. We also put it on our St. Louis on the air Facebook group, which you have to uh, request to join. But we are very quick to approve those. And so we hope you'll join that. And you can get those details on how to do that. And those go to area hospitals and to the St. Louis County Police Department. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio, 90.7 KWMU. Support comes from Missouri Forest Products Association, committed to sustainable and sound conservation of the state's forests, which support more than 41,000 Missouri jobs, resulting in a $10 billion industry. Choosewood.com.